Welcome to For the Weary Ones podcast. My name is Taya Katoni, and I've just been sitting here with the Lord, just really just seeking his heart as to what he wanted the first episode for this podcast to be. And um, it has everything to do with the cross, of course, and all that Christ accomplished. Um, the impartation of his righteousness to us and uh, how God sees us. And I guess this is, (laughs) when I think about it, this is the message that changed me. Um, This is the message that um, began transforming my heart and relationship with God and seeing him for who he really is. Uh, I was in bed the other night um, a few weeks ago and I was just laying there in the dark and I look up at the ceiling and there was this cross shining on the ceiling. And it was so big and so bright and I was like, Lord, what are you speaking? And I heard him whisper, John 3, 17, I was like, John 3, 17, okay. I know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But John 3, 17, I was like, I don't know what that is. I don't remember. So I went and I grabbed my Bible. And John 3, 17 says this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. In the NLT version, it says, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. The word condemn, I love the dictionary. (laughs) Um, The word condemn means to express an unfavorable or adverse judgment, to indicate strong disapproval of, or to pronounce to be guilty or sentence to punishment. So that's what the word condemn means. But God is saying here in John 3, 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. So he did not send his son into the world to express an unfavorable or adverse judgment against you. He did not send his son into the world to indicate a strong disapproval of you. He did not send his son into the world to pronounce you guilty and to sentence you to punishment. Man, I mean, even now, that just makes my heart just want to weep. Listen to the antonyms of condemn. These are the words that are in the opposite direction of what condemnation is, of what condemn means. Uh, Two of the antonyms of condemn are to bless and to approve. So So God did not send his son into the world to condemn you, but so that he could save you, so that he could bless you, so that he could approve you. Verse 18 goes on to say, There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And so for you, who believe in God, for me, who believe in in Jesus and the Son of God, 
there is no judgment and there is no condemnation coming from God to us. And so have we fully received and lived in the reality of this truth? And for me, I have to say, no, I haven't been living in this reality. Um, as I just lay there with the Lord, um, looking at that cross on the ceiling, he just really began speaking about this lifestyle of judgment um, that I, and I believe a lot of the bride has been living in where we, um, where we are judging based on what we're seeing in the natural, our natural reasoning based on how we're feeling or because of what we've done or because of what we haven't done instead of living in the reality of what Christ has accomplished. Instead of living in the reality of Christ's perfection. And not only have we been um, harsh toward others, but the Lord was really pointing out that we have been judging ourselves so harshly, our eyes so fixed and laser focused on our faults and failings and differences. And these, 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 these judgments that we formed are not founded in truth or in the heart of God. I was, um, just standing in my kitchen with my sister and I can't remember I was talking about something I could have done something better and she said so quickly Taya stop being so hard on yourself and it just came out so fast and so forcefully out of her mouth she said oh my gosh she said I don't know where that came from she said that was that was from God she said that wasn't from me and um, and then a couple of weeks later um, I was doing the same thing. I can't even remember what it was, but I was being really hard on myself. And the Lord asked me, he said, why are you being so hard on yourself? And I said, I don't know, Lord, why am I being so hard on myself? And he said, it's the nature of negativity. What has been a part of your past has no place in your future. And I just speak that over you right now now that this land of negativity that you have been living in toward yourself, toward others, where we're seeing uh, people or circumstances um, in the natural, reasoning them in the natural instead of seeing things in the light and the truth of the cross and, and all that Christ accomplished. Um, God is leading us out of the land of negativity and I don't know about you, but I'm super excited about that. So I just speak to you today um, because I really feel that this is God's heart that he's saying, stop being so hard on yourself. Dwell in the truth. Dwell in me and all that I have accomplished. Um, I want to read to you some scriptures uh, that really just changed and gave me a new lens um, 
to see God and his heart and who he really is um, toward us and what he does with our sins. Isaiah 1.18 says, Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Um, in my old NLT version, it said, Come now, let us argue this out. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. And I want you to know that we can't even argue it with him. No matter how great the stain of your sins, Jesus has already made them as white as snow. Though your sins may have been as red as crimson, Jesus made them as white as wool. And listen to Isaiah 43, 25. This is God speaking. I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. He doesn't remember them. He does not remember your sins anymore. How amazing is that? I mean, that makes me want to do a cartwheel right now. Um, and this one from Micah 7, 18 through 19. Where is another God like you who pardons the sins of the survivors among his people? You cannot stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing mercy. Once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. And I just think, oh my gosh, we have a God who delights in showing mercy. And he was so merciful and so delighting and desiring to show mercy to us that he would send his one and only son to endure and take upon himself all the sin of humanity, yours and mine, drawing it unto himself as he was lifted up on that cross. Um, Jesus said, I will draw all men to myself as I am lifted up onto the pole. And um, that's what he did. He saw you. He knew you in your entirety, in the entirety of your life, um, the entirety of your sins. He drew it unto himself as he was lifted up on that pole, as he was lifted up on that cross. He knew you and he knew me. And he carried our punishment for us so that um, he that knew no sin became sin so that you and I could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So no longer are you a slave to your sin, but we are actually slaves to um, God's righteousness. How amazing is that? I mean, that is a miracle. That is the truth of the gospel that transformed me and continues to transform me. And it is what will continue to transform you day in and day out. Isaiah 44, 22 says, I have swept away your sins like a cloud. I have scattered your offenses like the morning mist. Oh, return to me, for I have paid the price to set you free. I mean, my goodness, listen to these truths. Oh, God is so good. Um, I have a white couch at home. <laughs> this white couch, I've got four boys, 
and a white couch and it is a battle to keep it clean and in fact if you look real close there are stains on it that I just can't get out no matter how many times I bleach it um, it's never been as clean as it was when it was new it has been lived in <laughs> and I just cleaned it recently just took everything apart washed it bleached it set everything back on there and I walked by it the other day like two days after I had put everything back on so um, so so clean at least from a distance <laughs> and I look at it and there's this huge grime spot there and I'm like oh my gosh and I'm just standing there staring at this huge dirt spot and all I could think of was wow Lord I am so glad that you didn't clean us like this and I want you to know that you are not that white sofa covered and don't ever be deceived into thinking that you need to run or hide from God because you were too dirty or made too big of a mistake or that you are without hope because it is simply a lie. The Christ's righteousness is impenetrable. think um, a lot of us hear this hear these truths and then think oh my gosh and then and then when we sin when we make mistakes okay well well now what um, I will never forget this moment I had with the Lord I had had a couple of days where I was just absolutely rotten <laughs> I um, I think that if you had looked at me from the outside, you definitely would not have recognized me as a follower of Jesus um, because my behavior was just atrocious and how I was treating people. And the next day I went into my closet to get dressed and I was flicking through my shirts and um, I have this one shirt that has a big red cross on it. And I looked at it and I said, I can't wear this. I don't represent you well. So I kept going, kept flicking through the other shirts and was not finding anything and went, started back through at the beginning, started going back through. And I came to that shirt again with the red cross and I just looked at it and the Lord said, put it on. I'm not ashamed of you. And gosh, I mean, even now, I mean, this is, this is our God. Nothing we do or don't do changes anything that Christ has already done. Um, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. God's handiwork. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned long ago. And I think we are a people who are being trained to rest in this truth that we are his masterpiece. He is the creator 
and we are the creation. We are his work to perform. He is the potter and we are learning to enjoy being the clay. He is making us. It's not the other way around. And um, I remember I was just driving in the car and I was thinking about, actually, I was thinking about past sins and um, and things that I had done and thinking, oh my gosh, I'm definitely going to reap what I sowed here. Like those, that was just my internal dialogue. And the Lord said to me, he said, Totter, why would I punish you for something you were never trained to do? And I just, I believe that he is speaking that over you right now. Why would I punish you for something you were never trained to do? This life in Christ is new. We are always being trained up in a new way. And by placing us in Christ, God is free to exercise his unfailing love while giving us room to be humans, being trained up by God in his righteous way. Uh, Philippians 2.13 is one of my favorites and it says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him. Um, I was thinking the other day, wow, Lord, you are the only one who has ever changed me. Nothing else, no one else, <laughs> not even myself has changed me. Only you, Lord. One of the things that the Lord uses to transform us is repentance. Because uh, I think one of the places where we can stumble and fall back into that self-condemnation or judgment is in the midst of uh, a sin or a weakness. And I was talking to the Lord, just asking him, okay, well, what, what do I do with my weaknesses? How do I talk about my weaknesses without glorifying them? And he said, daughter, he said, you're honest about them and you don't try to hide them. In Psalm 32, it's so beautiful. It gives such a beautiful just picture of repentance. It says, oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. And there is such a beautiful um, picture of uh, what it looks like to come before the Lord with an honest heart. And he gives us a glimpse of it, I believe, through Nathaniel in uh, John 1. And I don't know if you remember, but Nathaniel is the one. Philip had come running to Nathaniel to say, oh, you know, we found the Messiah. 
um, Jesus of Naz, Jesus, um, the son of Joseph from Nazareth, and Nathaniel says, Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel, can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And I never really understood that. How could Jesus say to another man that there was no deceit in him? And it wasn't until the Lord took me to Psalm 32, which is what I had just read to you, and the New Living Translation, and then the New King James Version, it says, um, Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. And so I believe that when Nathaniel was under that fig tree, he was actually repenting. And if you look at Nathaniel and that interaction that he and Philip had, Nathaniel was a guy who just said what was on his heart. You know, he didn't try to polish it up and make it sound nicer or better than what it was. Can anything good come from Nazareth? And an honest heart pleases God. So we... And, and this is just a new way of repenting that I've learned recently is just coming before him and saying, God, this is who I've been and telling him who I've been, what I've done. And, and then once I'm done, I ask him to tell me who I am. And so you're going into repentance, um, confessing, confessing your sin, acknowledging it with an honest heart. And that is just an opportunity, you know, like what 1 John 1, 8, 9 says, that, that, that in that place of repentance, he is cleansing us from all righteousness and he is pouring into us the righteousness of Christ. So this is who I've been, Lord. Okay, now tell me who I am. And let God proclaim his righteousness over you. Um, it is so important for us to know the boldness and the freedom with which we can come to him. Because we can only ever come to God the Father through the Son. We can only ever come to him through Jesus. And sometimes when I am feeling and weighed down with guilt or with shame, I... I have to picture myself running through Jesus to the Father because that is the only way that I can come to him boldly. And um, recently he had pointed out an offense in my heart that I had that I did not realize. And if you had told me um, or asked me about this, I would have said, oh no, that's not an issue for me. But the Lord pointed it out. And I still wanted to say, Lord, are you sure? And then he said, I won't remove what you don't acknowledge. So repentance is a way for us to acknowledge who we've been. We, it's a place for us to acknowledge our sin and our weaknesses so that the power of God may come um, and rest upon us in that place of just humble um, submission to God and uh Man, it has brought about so much freedom in my life that 
most most of the time I now look forward to being corrected and to being disciplined because I know that it means that I'm his that I'm his daughter. So when you are corrected, when you are disciplined, when the Holy Spirit places his finger on your heart and points out something that is offensive to God, see it as an invitation of love that you can run to him and boldly confess before him. Um, If you feel tempted to want to sit in the weight and in the guilt of the sin for a while longer, don't, don't, because Jesus already sat in it for you. Father, I thank you for every son and daughter that is listening here today. And I thank you that they would experience personally and intimately the joy of those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for them whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Psalm 32 in the message says, count yourself lucky. How happy you must be. You get a fresh start. Your slate's wiped clean. Count yourself lucky. God holds nothing against you, and you're holding nothing back from him.